Hey Jaywalkers, it's the long-anticipated second part to the Felon's Rights episode. I'm your crossing guard, JJ. And, and I don't know. Uh, Cyborg Princess is doing a lot better. We had a slew of medical issues hit this month, so I'm just happy to be able to bring this to you. Um, you know, if you have any questions, concerns, sources, topic ideas, particularly funny jokes, uh, you can send them to jaywalkthroughlife at gmail.com. I don't have any other points of contact for the show yet or social media platforms. So, we're going to get to it. To recap last month, what you lose when you get a felony conviction depends on where you are, and we covered the pros and cons um, of giving the vote back to people as soon as their sentence and parole are finished. Now, getting into employment and what happens when someone is convicted of a felony I feel like I'd kind of be doing a disservice to the topic if I didn't include the 13th Amendment as written, uh, because it's relevant to how we treat criminals in the U.S. So, Amendment 13, Section 1, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Section 2, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Yeah, that's during punishment and while someone is imprisoned, but I felt like it matters in how we see convicts and where why there may be a push to make it harder for them to get legit work. I also found a paper which covers an experiment done to prove or disprove the effect of having a conviction on whether or not you even get called to an interview. It only covers New York and New Jersey, but it's still a rather large-scale study. Um... So they say that policy efforts have started to concentrate on expanding employment opportunities for people convicted of crimes in recent years, motivated by the apparent dislike of employers of hiring convicts. This dislike is backed up or proven in several kinds of academic studies that list actually quite a few. Uh, this can make reoffense more likely, as well as furthering the racial and economic uh, divides in job access. Um, the paper follows a fairly large-scale experiment focused on whether or not people will get a call back for an interview, which is the stage where most applicants are filtered out. This is the premise of the so-called Band of Box or BTB movement, was that when an application asks if you're a felon, you immediately get filtered out and prevented from being able to go any further in the job hunt. Um, the paper focuses on the 2,600 applications they sent in to employers that asked about criminal history prior to BTB, targeting entry-level jobs with no college requirement, primarily in retail and restaurants. Now, the fake applicants were in their early 20s. Half were assigned no convictions. A quarter had a drug felony, and the other quarter had a property felony. All convictions were low-level uh, for their jurisdictions and of similar nature. The other information was randomized to see if the gap was similar or bigger, depending on whether the applicant was white, black, uh, whether he graduated high school, got a GED, uh, whether or not there were other gaps in his employment history. Coffee time. Mm. So, the authors assessed whether or not the applicant got a request for interview via phone or email within eight weeks, and what uh, impact the kind of felony or the other mitigating factors had on the results. The callback rates for no convictions were about 13.6%, and with convictions were about 8.5%. That is to say, applicants without convictions got 60% more callbacks than with. The racial difference wasn't statistically significant, 
which is just academic speak for there was a difference but against the just the sheer volume of data it doesn't mean jack in the grand scheme of things there were of course results for employers that asked about uh convictions on the application about 32 percent of the applications the authors sent were went to businesses without such a question the amount of businesses that didn't ask was surprising since four out of five low-level, entry-level, or unskilled positions nationally were asking about convictions prior to the BTB movement. Uh, the study proves that there's a fairly large effect uh, even a relatively minor felony conviction can have on your employment prospects. Now here's where we get a little weird, which is, I, I feel like I've been saying that a lot the last couple episodes, um, but unfortunately, the most comprehensive article that had the best information I could find on employment and felony, felons um, turned out to be heavily biased. Uh, I, I kept it in. I tried to parse out the pieces that are opinion from info um, and kind of let you know where those are as opposed to trying to smush them together. Mm. But um, I am using it for both purposes for this episode. Now, nearly one in three adults in America has a criminal record, which can impact employment prospects, like to the tune of 1.7 million jobs and about $78 billion a year out of the uh, U.S. economy at minimum. Now, occupational licenses, which can be an obstacle to job seekers without criminal convictions, can be even worse for those with. Uh, federal and state law may actually prohibit people with certain convictions from obtaining certain licenses, and the biases an employer or licensor holds can make it even harder to get the license to get a good paying job. There are racial disparities in incarceration. About 13% of the general population is black, but 27% of all arrests are of black people. Uh, black men between the ages of 18 and 19 are about 12 times as likely to be incarcerated as white men of the same age, and black women are about twice as likely to be imprisoned as white women. Uh, access to employment has shown to help reduce rates of reoffense, which can be made worse by barriers to getting things like professional licenses. Some states bar anyone convicted of a felony from being professionally or occupationally licensed, as well as allowing businesses to require uh, good moral standing or good moral character, meaning they can disqualify you for an arrest that doesn't even lead to being charged or tried. Uh, even states that don't explicitly allow for those requirements have minimal restrictions on the use of criminal record as a determining factor for rejecting an applicant for a license. Uh, the other big part of getting one of these licenses is money and time. There are application fees, training fees, classes, tests, and other ways to make sure that you deserve the endorsement. Um, now we get into blanket bans. Some states require licensing board to reject people with serious offenses across the board. That means there's no wiggle room and no discretion. Uh, now, from the article, for many state leaders, a statute that creates an automatic lifetime ban against anyone with a violent felony or a sex offense for an occupation license may seem reasonable. However, according to Michelle Navidad Rodriguez and Beth Avery, uh, even assuming one's record is accurate, such categories and labels can be misleading if licensing boards do not use due diligence to examine the nature of the offense. For example, say Rodriguez and Avery, 
seeing an assault on a person's criminal record may imply a propensity for violence, but without knowing the circumstances of the offense, such as age, frequency, or context, an automatic denial could unfairly exclude strong applicants. In addition, frequently unreliable background checks also present uh, grave challenges in applying blanket bans and licensing decisions. Now, in 2016, a full 56% of fingerprint reports were run for regulatory employment and licensing purposes. The records may bring up arrests that ended up without charge, sealed juvenile records, and issues that arose from identity theft or misidentification. Now, public health and safety do dictate that certain convictions should disqualify applicants for some kinds of jobs. But licensing authorities often lack oversight and guidance, which leads to what amounts to a blanket ban on anyone with a conviction and a general lack of transparency and predictability. Policymakers are working on addressing the barriers to employment for ex-cons in a few ways. Some states are working to make sure that any crime that would prevent licensure is relevant to the kind of license you're going for. Um, The article says, recent relevant and pose of threat to public safety. Other efforts include getting rid of the vague good moral character wording and requiring a clear expectation of what actually disqualifies an applicant with a criminal record. Uh, The ability to ask the board directly if you're disqualified is also on the table, as is getting a certificate of rehabilitation from your state of conviction or resident. Uh, The piece ends with a comprehensive table of recent legislative actions taken by states to remove barriers to employment for convicts. Now, I had a hard time finding purely anti-hiring felons pieces, which in general is nice, but for the purposes of what I'm doing here is kind of frustrating. Uh, I found a few pros and cons pieces, uh, which listed risk of violence and recidivism recidivism, uh, as major con factors. The source I linked in the description uh, had a few extra points, like the way it makes the company look. After all, some people don't want to work with felons or buy from them. It's also the issue of negligence. If there's violence committed by the ex-con or someone gets hurt in any way by their doing or not do Rephrasing. Uh, basically, if the ex-con doesn't do something important and uh, someone gets hurt, or if they intentionally do something that gets someone hurt, it falls onto the employer. Another factor for employers is that all felons are painted as liars and cheats and thugs and thieves, uh, and there are some people that will never think differently. There are also some people who are those things, and going through all that is a massive pile of headache for the employer. You also have to contend with felons' right to privacy and keeping their past in the past against your current employees' rights to know who they work with and potential risks to themselves and property. Um, I also looked up the housing. Now, it does turn out that uh, apparently the Housing and Urban Development Agency, uh, also known as HUD, is looking to open up Section 8 uh, to for felons and uh, make it a little easier for felons and their families to find affordable housing after their release from prison. Um, so after the voting rights, it seems a lot harder to find opinion pieces that say outright that felons shouldn't be able to do things. Instead, there's a lot of, what about my insurance? I really don't want more crime in my neighborhood. Uh, It reads to me as waffling about your feelings, 
kind of in a way to put the responsibility of people not being able to find work or housing on the fact they once committed a crime. Uh, I was also finding that the legislative kind uh, of hatred I remember uh, from my childhood isn't really there anymore. Now, I, I grew up in the 90s, which was kind of known for being tough on crime and criminals, and I'm actually kind of relieved to see that things are trending the way they are. Um, I have to admit, I came into the topic with some hesitance. I've known a couple felons in my life, and so it's one I'm torn on. Ultimately, I think I prefer this push towards some compassion. Um, so, so many people end up in prison because they couldn't afford not to plead guilty, or they got a lawyer who didn't have time or incentive, or the judge was up for re-election or any number of things that had nothing to do with actual innocence or guilt, uh, and that I'll probably cover in a future episode. And then they come out to few other choices than miracles or committing another crime. Why not invest the time and energy into trying to get people back into society? Now, I'm, I'm fully aware this isn't cheap, and that some people don't care and will continue committing crimes no matter what's out there to help them and that I'm not in the position of employing or renting to someone. But it looks like the alternative is letting these people live as second-class citizens without helping them move forward. I don't know. I'm just thinking that the cost of keeping people out of being able to participate in legit society is higher than occasionally being wrong by helping them out. What do you think? Am I way off base one way or the other? Um, when and how do we stop punishing felons? Is there a point uh, or, or a good opinion piece I overlooked? Is this a terrible place to put a soap reference? Um, please email me at jaywalkthroughlife at gmail.com. That's jaywalkthroughlife, all one word, at gmail.com. Now, Jaywalking Through Life is a podcast and lifestyle subsidiary of Hidden Star Graphics, etc., etc., brought to you by JJ and the Cyborg Princess. And we'll see you next month.